With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 31 of the big show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And you hear that? That is the sound of vacation. A man on vacation. My first day. I am recording this on a Monday because we are packing up and heading to the lake tomorrow morning for a few days. I don't know, two or three days. Up to the in-laws cabin. So that should be alright. And uh, so I'm going to do this. I'm getting this done now. And uh, yeah, so and I, I like to I like to throw out... Uh, I'm adding different bits from my old shows on here. So one of the one of the guests I had, of course, going back to my 12 Days of Christmas special, I had, like, obviously 12 different guests. One of them, of course, was my Hockey Podcast Network cohort, uh, Terry Ryan. And uh, when I talked to Terry, we talked about his five toughest teammates. That was a really cool conversation. And uh, we actually even bring it up in the in the interview. Uh, we mentioned how we need, we need to talk more and, uh, we definitely need to do that. I know Terry, obviously Terry with his own show and he has told thousands of stories and, you know, I'm sure. And if you have a regular listener of Terry, you've heard them probably a few times, but, uh, I definitely would like to get Terry back on the show. Um, just from watching his fights and different things. Um, just some personal questions I'd like to ask him that I know he's probably never been asked before. So, um, you know, so we get a few different stories, um, out of Terry, but uh, no, for this one it was his five toughest uh, teammates. So and, and it was really cool. Like I said, Terry's always a fun talking to. So I'm going to throw that one at you. And uh, I do promise I do have some guests lined up. Um, like I said, uh, you know, as always in the interview game, you're you're chasing, and uh, guys kind of come to the phone, and sometimes it's easier said than done. But um, you know, hopefully we'll get them going. And uh, and like I said, though. It's tough right now with the, uh, of course, with the hockey playoffs going on and everything. I think sometimes this, these, uh, these podcasts sort of get, you know, we get sort of lost in the waves of current hockey. So, um, you know, so that that's kind of tough. I think that kind of hurts the listenership a little bit. I mean, I know, fortunately, and I'm very happy that I have um, a couple diehards anyway that'll uh, that always listen, and I appreciate it, boys. But um, you know, I think in terms of um, overall listenership i mean obviously when the the pandemic was on or i guess it's still on but 
you know, when the all the hockey and everything was off, obviously um, shows like mine, I think, kind of really benefited from that. And, uh, of course, now with everything being back on and, of course, the network, you know, with all their hockey shows that they got rolling, um, you know, of course, I think my show and, and, you know, and those types of shows I think might take a back seat. I might be wrong, but I know, but uh, not that I'm trying to save my guests for the off season. But uh, there are there's a couple guys that I think um, could be really funny and have some really great stories, and um, and I and I want to give them the best platform to um, present those stories. A chance for the most listens, um, and again, this is just a. A theory of mine. I could be way off base. I actually have to talk to the network guys because, I mean, they have the numbers and listens, so they could better tell me. So I might just be completely talking out of my ass, which of course wouldn't be the first time. But um, yeah, but I have a couple characters. I know one guy. Uh, he has just started his own podcast. Um, has nothing to do with hockey, actually. Well, he might talk. He always talk about hockey. He's an ex-player, but. Um, he's, he's just sort of, a, it's a life podcast really. And, uh, I want to get him on though, because he played junior and he played, uh, college hockey. So I, I really want to have that talk about, um, you know, the difference and, uh, safe wise, safety wise, you know, that everybody likes to talk about how college doesn't have fighting and it's so much safer and on and on. I mean, I already have my feelings on that. I have talked to other people about that topic, but I want to get him on to discuss it. Um, cause what better person to have talk about it, someone who's went through both sides, and uh, and also talk about the, the latest um, junior players wanting to get paid and that type of thing, so I think we could have a really fun conversation, and plus he was a, you know, he was a scrapper, scrappy dude, so I mean, obviously we'll talk about a few tilts too, we, we won't completely uh, uh, go go on the other way, but uh, no, I really want to get him on, we've been playing phone tag and uh, for going on for about almost a month now, but uh, I think... Uh, you know, hopefully when I get back when I get back from the lake here, I'll uh, you know I'll track them down, and hopefully we can get some get an episode laid down for you guys. But uh, other than that, I got a few other guys lined up, and um, just a matter of time. I mean, I have some really good phone conversations with both guys, and um, you know I know they're really into doing it. Um, so promising. So I will definitely have uh, I have some interesting guests heading coming forward, going forward. I guess not coming forward, going forward. Um, but other than that, I hope everybody's listened to the shows on the network. I mean, of course, Terry Ryan, and then of course we have all the NHL shows and, uh, you know, those guys are all busy. And, uh, of course, uh, Alec over at five for fighting, just had Craig Stahl on. That was a great conversation. Um, you know, Bobby Longgrass there. Um, I think he's having Jay on from Iowa today. Jeez, we're slumming now. Yeah. So that's continues to be an outlaw mud show, the bucket drop. But, uh, oh, I like those guys. No, do a good job. Of course, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. Um, oh, Joe, who'd you have on? It was just a young kid, Yannick. Uh, now I feel bad. That's that's terrible. I can't remember his name. Oh, but Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. He interviews Islander players. He had just had a young kid on, so that's why it's his uh, his name is escaping me because I don't watch current hockey, so I'm not really up to date on that. So, uh, but I saw it, uh, Yannick something. Uh, I feel terrible. Uh, sorry, Joe. Nothing personal. Um, I will listen to it. I listen to all the shows, but just haven't got around to doing it. But uh, I saw it, and uh, I will definitely uh, check it out. But uh, other than that, uh, like I said, the hockey playoffs are rolling along, and um, 
actually surprisingly a couple couple tilts in the playoffs. Um, you know, of course everybody just goes all hog wild for a Justin Williams fight. I guess that's highly that's it. You know, and I uh, you know I guess it comes down to like somebody said. Well, at least they're fighting. Well, that's true. It's better than no fights, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I'm still not watching. I mean, I don't give a shit. But if they fight or not at this point, but uh, I don't know. It just yeah. Sit there and I don't know. You watch these guys fight. I mean, I saw Lucic fight there and um, whoever else. I mean, of course, it comes across my timeline and everything. But I don't know. I was talking to uh, 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 Chris Graff. We were just discussing the fighting and stuff, and. Uh, you know, and and like I said, I'm not anybody that does it. I'm not knocking them, but it's like really, if you, it's funny because I've been going through the DVDs lately and putting stuff up, and I'm not paintbrushing everybody, but for the most part, you watch an NHL fight these days in 2020, it's like you know, scrum yapping, yapping in the penalty box, yapping, you know, then oh, we're gonna actually fight. Let's okay, so we grab onto each other. I mean, make sure you turn sideways and tuck your chin down, and so you make sure you, you know, you know, it's all helmet and visor, and then throw jersey jabs, jersey jabs, a couple half-ass punches. I mean, God forbid anybody throw anyone anything right down the chute, you know. Nobody's throwing anything down the pipe. It's just, like, turn sideways, jersey jab, and then one ref will come in, and then the other ref will, you know. And it's just like, and then everybody, oh, that's all-time hockey, and oh, yeah, it's so great. And these guys are warriors. And it's just like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, like, you've even managed to wreck fighting. Like, it's just, you know. And I'm, I mean, I get everything's not morasty bossy. I mean, I get that. I'm not saying that. But, like, I don't know. This just this fighting with visors on and everything is so friggin' stupid. You know, and they just duck their chins and, you know, give you, like, literally an inch target and turn sideways and, you know, like, everyone's just so scared to get hit. Like, no one just wants to take a couple to throw one. You know, it's like, no, God forbid. And if you're going to tuck your chin so the guy gets all helmet, you know, and it's, I don't know. It just, again, I'm not saying every fight is like that, but the majority of ones I've been watching lately have been, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just... I don't know what to say. It's just, uh, it's just so. Uh, I don't know what I, I. I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. Um, you know, which doesn't help here on a podcast. But it, you, you guys listening that are old time fans, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and again, I'm not. You know, and it's just like, oh, it's you know, Spencer stepped up, and well, yeah, he did. I'm not. You know, okay, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just does everything have to be so pussy? And so soft. Like, there's something even soft about the fights. I don't know. Like, it's just... Eh. You know, and even after the Lucic one, the guy from Winnipeg skate to the box, oh, thank you, and patent bums, and it's just like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, and then I'm reading, and Bobby, I'm not knocking you, but I mean, I even gave you a little dig there on Twitter. You're like, oh, and props for Lucic for not hitting him when he was down. It's like, who gives a fuck? So what if he hit him? Like, you know, like, who gives a shit? Like, it's supposed to be this intense playoff. Like, we're trying to win here. And again, why are we friends? Like, why are you saying thank you after a fight? And, 
Like, I don't know, I just go back. Like, did Wendell Clark say, hey, thank you to anybody after they fought? Did Domi thank Probert? You know, like, uh, like Semenko say, hey, hey, thanks, Timmy. Like, it's just, why? It's just like this hokey bullshit Norman Rockwell painting fight thing. Like, everything, oh, the code and the honor and, oh, fuck. It's just like, just puke. Like, oh, God. Who gives a shit? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just sitting here. I'm just, I guess I'm just rambling like a grumpy old man, but I just, I just watch it. I mean, on the timeline and I, I'm just happier. And then you just read the comments and it's just like, people are such pussies. Like new age fans are just losers. Like, oh fuck. You know, like God forbid anybody's physical or throws a hit and does he really need to and on and on. And you know, the only highlight of it all was watching the Leafs lose. And I know Farmer Rob's listed, and it's not a shot at him and the Leaf guys, but it's just like, is there a more fucking panty-waist team than the Leafs? I mean, other than the Hurricanes. I mean, that goes without saying, fuck the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, and their fucking loser fan base. And, oh, I'm, I swear that female, that Sarah, whatever her name is, that reporter for the Hurricanes, ugh, I just want to blast her on Twitter. She is, she is awful. Just awful. And I noticed the other day she said something about, like, um, I don't know enough about it, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut about it. I wanted to say, fuck, that you should take that stance on hockey, too. You don't know fuck all about it either, but that's never stopped you from talking about it. You know, but yeah, you cover the hurricanes for the athletics. So that That's about as much as, as anybody needs to know. And no, I'm not just saying it because she's female. So to, so save the cards and letters and the outrage. I'm not saying that because she's female. I'm saying that because she sucks. And, and, and uh, hey, I have gone on numerous rampages about Campbell and Myrtle and, and Scott Wheeler and the rest of them. So I'm not picking on anybody, female or whatever, male. Believe me, if you suck, I don't care what sex you are. I'm, I'm going to say you suck and you're ignorant. You know, which they are. You know, and it, it's just embarrassing to read. And then you're, the worst part, though, is then the comments. And the fucking nerds that comment. Like, oh my god. And I always laugh, because it must be just an internet thing. It's like any... Like, when they're trying to draw a comparison, it is so far out in the weeds of the comparison that they use. It's just like, you know... Like when I was talking about the guy getting speared. When Furlan speared the guy. Half ass, whatever. Of course, of course, on hockey Twitter, that was the bloody crime of the century in hockey. And the one guy goes, "Oh, so you you justify sh- if someone gets you mad to shoot them?" Yeah, because that's clearly the you know we're in the same. That's the same. Like, but that's like Twitter, right? Or just society in a nutshell. You know, because why have any like common sense of what I'm talking about? No, we'll go to the extreme idiocy of you know to make your point. Well, you know, you're not making your point. You're just making yourself look like a jerk-off, you know. But, anyway. No, these reporters are just, like, god-awful. And, and like, some other... Oh, here's a reporter for Calgary. Flame, she's on there saying something about, like, why do, why do players have to be pouty and blah, blah, blah after a loss? And, you know, and they get paid money and blah, blah. Like really, I, I always laugh at people. They want all this intensity, and they want their they want their teams to try hard and run through a wall of blood, sweat, and tears, and all that. 
But then it's just pizza parties and Slurpees after, you know. But when they actually act intense or mad or whatever, then it becomes, oh, they're pouting, blah, blah, blah. Because, again, we have to take a, a completely peewee mentality to pro sports now. And it's like, you really take the worst day at your job. And right when you're almost to your car in the parking lot, you just want to go home and crack a beer. Someone walks up to you and says, hey, can I ask you a bunch of questions about your job? How would you react? Would you be really thrilled about that? Of course not. But they well, they make millions. and they're Money has nothing to do with it. We're talking human emotion. These guys are playing playoffs. Their whole goal is to win a cup. And they just lost and they're eliminated. And you're mad that they're not giving your question the proper your fucking brilliantly worded question, they're not giving it the proper respect because, you know, they owe it to the fans. Well, no, I thought they they owe it to the fans to actually, you know, they quote the cliche, blood, sweat, and tears on the ice. That's what they owe to the fans. They don't owe the fans answers after the game. Who gives a shit? You lost. Do I really give a shit what Austin Matthews has to say about the loss? Oh, you know, yeah, we just didn't get it done. And, uh, you know, we really lacked intensity there in the second period. And they're a great team. And we just didn't get the bounces. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, we're just a disappointed group here. And, uh, oh, well, God, like, I can, thankfully, I can go to bed and rest easy now that we got that quote from Austin Matthews. Like, you, you, you losers just thirst for this shit so bad. And then if it doesn't meet your expectations, it's like, oh, fuck these guys. You know, they don't, clearly they don't care about the fans. You know, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, what are you doing? Like, seriously? Or they pout, they're pouty. You know, well, yeah, it's only their, like, you, well, they get paid millions. Well, exactly. You get paid millions to win. So you're out there trying to win. And the pressure's immense. Because, of course, everywhere they go now, they have to listen to idiots like you or read it in the paper or on Twitter, on social media. they got to read your shit-ass tweets and left and right. You know, I laugh. These same guys, like Steve Simmons and the rest of them, they just shit-talk these guys all year. And then when these players turn it around on them, it's like, you know what, I don't want to fucking talk to you. Or they give them some, you know, non-committal answer, just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then the reporter turns, oh, you owe it to the fan. Oh, yeah, so... Like I said, the guy that goes around the, the office shit-talking you, you really going to give that guy the time of day? No. Well, so why should an athlete? Like, why should any Toronto Maple Leaf talk to Steve Simmons? Seriously. Why? They don't need to. Like, I, it's like in New York with that Larry Brooks or whatever his name, Brooksy. And that one guy's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. Get the fuck out of here. And everybody got up in arms about it. Why? Why should he have to talk to him? Is it in his contract that he needs to talk to Larry Brooks after every game? No. So, but I love the media. They can dish it out, but they, boy, they sure can't take it when they're told where to go or shove their question up their ass. Then it's, oh, you're, you owe it to us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just doing my job. And, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've, I guess it's this 24 seven news sports mentality that we have. I mean, it's grown up. It's been on for, I mean, obviously ESPN was decades ago that it started and CNN and everything else, and Fox, with, you know, it's always 24-7, 365, you know, news coverage. 
So it's like, it's just this constant information, information. And no matter how mundane or pointless and pathetic it is, well, we got to get it out there, got to get it out there. People want to listen. And it's just like, so this generation now of, of fan, you have to literally entertain them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have to give me something. They owe it to them. You know, and it's just like, ugh. And if you don't give them enough, that's why hockey's never going to get big. It's so dry. The athletes don't have personality. Like, what do you want from the... Like, is it... Like I've always said, because playing the game just isn't enough for people anymore. Why? Why can't that just be enough? Like, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, okay, when it's mic'd up and that... But they're still playing. That's still part of the game. The mic'd up stuff's funny. And yeah, behind the scenes, an interview now and again, oh, okay. I mean, here I'm talking because it's an interview show, but, I mean, it's an ex-player and it's their story. But, I mean... But that's a story. That's not, oh, how do you think... How do you think the power play was tonight? Like, who... Who cares? Like, it's just sound bites, cliches. I mean, it's just like a Bull Durham. They're your cliches. Learn them. They're your friends. Yeah, so like, but oh, God forbid we don't get one tonight out of uh, Mitch Marner, you know, like, who gives a shit? But on Twitter, they'll go on and on, oh, he's such a crybaby, and, you know, it's just, ugh, I don't know, it's, uh, you know, I, I guess I just hate, like, sports fans. I don't know what it is. I'm in a, I'm in kind of, even though I'm on vacation, I'm sort of in this, like, crotchety kind of mood. I'm not crotchety, I guess it's just not understanding. There's this, I don't get it. Like, I, I've never, I don't know. Like, I like biographies and stories, and I'll watch interviews, you know, whatever, but just this mundane post-game interview bullshit, or, you know, like, afterwards, and the coach has to stand up there and talk to the press. Like, who gives a shit? Like, I don't know. Like, is your life somehow lessened because somebody didn't do a, a news conference after? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who gives a shit? So it's like, oh, game's over, so now we got to go back to the studio and have four people at a desk talk about the game, and then two more people break it down, and then, oh, we got to, you know, and then we got to go to the press conference. Then we got to come back to the four people at the desk and dissect, oh, what did they say, and what does that mean? And, oh, and then, oh, here's another, oh, we've got breaking news, the players here are talking. So we got to listen to that, and then we got to go back to the desk at the, at the studio, and the four people got to break down what, what the what the three Leaf players said and what that meant and oh god it's just round and around and around we go like how many times can we chew the food it's just like who gives a shit you know but you know who does give a shit when it comes to jerseys I do look at that there's that's my segue that's a terrible segue actually I just kind of threw it in there because I'm looking over at my sticky note because I always never want to forget my ad read or my ad suggestion, pardon me, for coolhockey.com. How many of you guys are into jerseys? I know lots of you are into jerseys. And, of course, with the Seattle team coming out, you're going to get, you know, people want to get those threads or whoever going into the playoffs or whatever. Like I would say, you go online or go to the mall, $300 they want for the, the authentic jerseys. But I got a deal for you, coolhockey.com. At checkout, if you use the promo code THPN, that's the Hockey Podcast Network, 30% off, sometimes 40% off, it depends, but it's always 30% off, and free shipping, it's out of Toronto, they've been around since 1999, they're NHLPA endorsed, authentic jerseys, hand sewn, get whatever you want to put on it, you want to get your favorite player put on there and their number, or you just want to get a, 
put your last name on there and number double Griswold double zero or like I said Sexton Hardcastle number sixty nine whatever you want to put on there you know um, you can do that hand sewn it's got the fight strap it's the exact jersey the dudes are rolling on the ice with hundred eighty dollars hundred eighty five shipping free shipping what more can one man give you you know so hey that hey that's a hell of a deal that's like half the price there you go so THPN. And like I said, you know, the network gets a little bit of a kickback. Isha, Dylan, and the boys, I mean, they're they're hosting this mud show here, you know, and they got a 30-some other shows that they're babysitting. So, uh, you know, any little bit, if you guys could do that, you could do that for old Darren. That would help that would help the network out. That helps me out, keeps those guys happy, and uh, keeps me on the air. Uh, maybe that's not the best endorsement. Maybe you want me off the air. So you're not going to buy a jersey. Maybe I shouldn't include that in the ad read. You know what I'm saying, though. But for the other people, we'll say for the other people at the network, then whatever show you're a fan of, um, you know, no, but seriously, it supports them. And like I said, they're doing a lot of work. And uh, like I said, we're constantly, the the hosts are constantly uh, getting them running. So, uh, you know, keeping them running and and busy. So uh, with all our problems and everything else, I'd like to think I'm actually not much of a problem. I actually really haven't asked too much of them. I try to, I just try to do my stuff and get it in on time and, uh, you know, don't cause any grief. So all I ask is they, uh, you know, they ad- they advertise me as much as they can, and and they have been. I can't complain about my time here on the network. Um, it's been fun, and uh, you know, those guys have been good. They've been doing a good job promoting me, and uh, and and if uh, and thank you for listening. If uh, if you're new to the show, like I said, thirty one. This is episode thirty one. Thirty other episodes to check out. Done some great player interviews with uh, Marasti, McIntyre, and, and like I said, it's an enforcer-based show, so you're not going to get any first-line guys on here. We're not talking power plays or, or uh, you know, first uh, solid first passes or zone entries. We're not talking any of that horse shit. That's for other podcasts. Uh, you're tuning into this for old-time hockey and some old fight talk and uh, bitter old man get off my lawn stuff, which I've gone on for 25 minutes doing, but. Really, this guy just keeps hammering and hammering. Why? Like, what are you building? Like, some condo living, I'm telling you. There's always noise, and it's just like... he's. I think this dude's literally been hitting the same nail for the last, like, three hours. Can you hear it? Yeah. Well, my, vo- my sound thing's going, so yeah. If you're wondering what the hell's going on in the background, this is on the other side of my deck. If I go and look, yeah. I'm sure you can actually hear me talking. So, which is fine. Clearly, he doesn't give a shit because he keeps hammering. So, God, we got to move. But, um, yeah, I think in the spring we're going to sell. Go buy a house. I need the room. You know, I've got all this cool shit, and it's all, like, literally packed in Rubbermaid tubs underneath my parents' basement at their house. Um, oh, shut up. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, I just 27. I'm done talking. Yeah. Let's let's listen to Terry Ryan. He was a lot more. He's a lot more fun to listen to than myself. I was kind of all over the place. Sorry, getting rant. I'm not. Fuck it. I'm not going to apologize for being ranty. Somebody told me. Somebody tweeted one time that the ranty fourth line voice is the best fourth line voice. You know. So whether you agree, disagree, whatever. I mean, you know. Hey, it's my show. I can say the whatever I want. You don't like it? Start your own show, and then you can call me out. But. Uh, <laughs> No, that was just, the, as I would scroll Twitter, I was just getting irritated, and I kind of threw that out there, but anyway, like I said, uh, I understand, like I said, there's always, um, you, ever, you know, and like I said, back in the day, it was like my three favorite phrases, 
I, I constantly say them. I need to watch that stuff. Well, then, at the same time, this isn't friggin' professional radio, so who gives a shit? Uh, like I said, I'm just sitting here cranking out some uh, some Sleemans, so whatever. I'm on holidays. I don't give a shit. But I uh, wanted to get this done early. Like I said, I want to fulfill my commitments. Wednesday's new content, and then Sunday is my vault episode. Don't know who I'm going to put out this Sunday yet. Uh, we'll see. But it's from my old website that crashed. Uh, I had 40 some episodes on there before it went down. So I like to get a uh, different one of those. I like to get those back up on the network or back up on the internet. And the network has allowed me to do that on Sundays. So we'll see what this Sunday will bring. But uh, in the meantime, just as a little fill in, just so you know, it's not all me ranting. I will go back and play my Terry Ryan, my little sound bite with Terry Ryan. I think it's about 35 minutes talking about his toughest uh, teammates and it was a lot of fun talking to Terry and uh, I appreciate you very much for listening because I understand like I said there's always lots of podcasts to listen to out there and uh, you know there's always so much time in the day right so the fact that you decided to tune in and and give this uh, this idiot from Saskatoon a shot uh, it's greatly appreciated and uh, please come back and uh, or visit the back catalog as well as uh, continue subscribe to the to the network and uh, or and to the show and uh, please, on iTunes, uh, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out. Also, of course, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter. Check it out. And and the big thing, uh, YouTube. Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Got over 2,200 fights from junior to pro. You name it. You name the league, it's on there. I got everything sorted. So on the little search thing, just type in whatever league you're looking for. OHL, Quebec League, LNAH, NHL, whatever. Boom, it'll all come up. And like I said, I try to put up some like really unique and some stuff, unique stuff. I mean, everybody see Probert and Cox, right? No, no, I'm putting up like Colt Lawrence with Current or or a John Morasti when he played in uh, uh, South Surrey in the BC League. He fights Tanner Glass. That's on there. Um, you know, I I put lots of unique shit on there. So and uh, tr- you know, Link Gates and Tony Twist, the infamous when Twist buckles him in the IHL that uh, no one had ever seen, and I managed to track that footage down, and I put that on there. So, lots of good stuff on there. I highly recommend it. Believe me, you'll check out a couple of videos, and you will go down that rabbit hole, and you'll be on YouTube for like an hour and a half. But seriously, if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, hit the notification little bell, the notification. I'm always putting new stuff up, especially now that I'm on holidays. I, already, I put up about six fights today, and uh, I'll be doing more. So, if you have the notification, you won't miss a single punch. And, uh... Yeah, and I will keep doing that for you guys. So uh, check all that stuff out. But uh, in the meantime, that's the 30 minutes. All right, I will shut up, and uh, I might go throw a hammer at this guy out here. But uh, let's go. Let's listen to Terry Ryan. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm hitting the lake and uh, doing some fishing, jumping off the boat. And, uh, you know, I'll still be tweeting. But uh, I will talk to you guys on Sunday. All right, guys, take it easy. Thank you. Is uh, Terry Ryan, NH first round uh, pick, author, actor, man of all, tra- jack of all trades. Uh, Terry, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me on, South Park. I really appreciate it. I love your stuff. We don't get a chance to talk much. Hopefully, that changes in the future. I'm doing unreal, by the way. How are you? Excellent. No, I'm I'm doing I'm very well. I'm in the bathtub as I talk to you. I'm enjoying a nice soak. Hey, well, there you go, and. Uh, uh, yeah, like, well, like I said, I was I've had uh, twelve guests on here, and I've given them all different topics. And yours, um, I mean, we all, you know you bounce, you played in the uh, juniors in the Western Hockey League, you know, in the minors, and in the NHL with Montreal. And uh, the topic I gave you was your five toughest teammates. 
Now, back in the day, that covers a lot of ground. That's a lot of dudes. So, it does. And, and you know what? I uh, forgot to even read the question. <laughs> so, But I'm not bailing out. I can tell you off the top of my head. I know we're going to get to number four, and I might start searching. But if you want to go, I can start now in chronological order, my friend. Fire it up. Hit me. Number five, Terry Ryan's well, toughest teammates. Here we the go. First, the first, yeah. So when I went away, I was 14. Yep. I went to Cornell, B.C. Now, it was a tough league. It was junior A um, on we were Junior A North. It was uh, the Rocky Mountain Hockey League, and BC Junior League was on the go as well as it is now. And that was also Junior A. But at the end of the year, whoever won from our league, which was normally Prince George, would crush or would get crushed by. So there's more by the other side. So there's more talent definitely in the BCJ. But we had a really, really tough league. A lot of Western leaguers went in there young like me and came into the Western League. Jason Weimer, Portland, made him cover for sure playing the Rocky Mountain League. Um, Mike and Jason McBain. Tyler Willis, it did happen, and everybody I know that came out of the uh, Rocky Mountain League was fairly tough. So anyway, I went out there, and I was 14 again. I never played with any hitting at home. Um, a lot of people have heard the story how I won my first fight by putting yeah. hot sauce on my hands. Yeah, it was that. It was that year. Well, there was a guy on the team named Chris Spencer, and Spence was a local uh, with any. He was 19 when I got out there, and I remember. A couple months in, my dad, who played pro hockey as well, I remember him commenting and saying, you know, if I just had Chris three years earlier, I could have made, you know, he'd definitely be in the WHL. It was one of those guys. Well, you know, it was easy to overlook guys. And then, you know, like, it, it's north. It's not big. I'm guessing five to 10,000 people. Um, and it's a mill town. It's a rough town. That's what I love about it. Still go back to visit my buddies. Uh, I'm glad. I'm certainly glad I spent two years there before the Western League. It helped me more than anything. One of the biggest reasons was a guy named Chris Spencer I just told you about. Spence was, wasn't was huge. He could really go toe-to-toe, though. Uh, skinnier, about 6'6", six, six, but like maybe 175. Cut like a greyhound kind of thing. Uh, but Spence had absolutely no fear. And uh, top guys, uh, many, Lenny Forchner, who got called up to Kamloops on one Memorial Cup, was probably the toughest guy I could think of in that league. Definitely the scariest. He was just, he looked the part. You know, his helmet barely fit on his head. He was missing the front tooth. Um, you know, he had a beard in junior. He was going bald. He was one of those guys. Yep. And Spence, um, not only did he not hesitate to fight him, but I remember the one game and he had broken ribs. And I, I've since done it. I played in Newfoundland's version of the Stanley Cup the Herder a few years ago for one. I said I'd play with broken ribs. And Darren, I went out. And got two shifts, so the fan, you know, maybe get a bit of momentum, but I never could have actually played. I remember coming off saying, if someone hits me, I would have died just then. Because the fans are up now, Morsey, I'm sitting down for the rest of the game. So it's hard to play with broken ribs. I know they do it in Creed 2, great movie, by the way, and um, just watched it yesterday, and, I, you know, there's a part in there with the ribs. And it always makes me cringe because I saw Spence do it. So Spence was sitting out like 10 games cause, because he had broken ribs. And, um, we were playing Williams Lake, and I always had a tough time. That guy, Forstner, never gave me a hard time. We played on the All-Star team together and uh, sent our Facebook friends and all that fun 2018 stuff. But at the time, uh, Williams Lake were real, real tough, and they were dirty. So Spence, in the middle of uh, resting, came back maybe five games into, you know, he never should have been back. And um, he just felt things were getting a little out of hand, and someone needed to come in and face the situation. And the next game we played Williams Lake was like, maybe a month, month and a half down the road, he'd be ready anyway. So, and, and we were about to go on a road trip, so Spence knew, you know, he knew the mental side of it, you know, people here around the league. So 
So, you know, you guys are going into a road trip. I'm going to dress for a game. And he did, man, with broken ribs. He went out there for one shift and he fought uh, Forstner. If anybody hit him during that shift, uh, I don't know what would have happened. He wouldn't have been back for a year. And um, he was just one of those guys, man. He went out, went toe-to-toe. After the fight, I came in. I remember, I'll never, ever forget this. I'm not exaggerating one bit. He was spitting up blood. We had to take him to the hospital. And this wasn't, when you see it happen in that level, in Junior A, a 19-year-old in Northern BC that knows he's never going anywhere after that. He was under no disillusion. He was working at the mill. That was Spencer's thing. So to see a guy like that go through that level of pain and, you know, this total disregard for his body, the sacrifice for other people, that's what first, like, if he wasn't on my team, I don't know what would have happened. Like, that was etched in my brain. It says good or bad, whatever. It made me part of who I am now. And I remember going to the Western League more than once going, you know, what would Spence do in this situation? And for me, a lot of people might have said I fought a little bit too much, whatever. I'd rather have too much Chris Spencer in me than not enough. So there's number one. That's awesome. Or, yeah. or number five. These are in no yeah. particular order. Um, uh, so he would be definitely, you know, of the guys that you've never heard of. Um, second, who, who, uh, who else? Dave Morissette. So I played it now. He would seem obvious, but Dave was, he was built like Tony Twist. He was built, and I think a few years ago he came out with a book and admitted that for, I think, half a summer or something he took steroids. Yeah. Didn't surprise me. There wasn't a lot of hockey players still not on steroids. But in that era, I guess, you know, maybe some tough guys did. I wasn't aware of it. I never would have said it unless most. Came out and admitted it, but I really... Point being, the guy was fucking huge. He was a tank. And, um, you know, the year that I played with him, he, he played in the East Coast League, he played in the IHL. He might even have played in the AHL for a bit, but he was finally getting a chance at like 31 or 32 with, uh, you know, the Canadians. He had seen me, he looked up to his whole life. He was from Trois-Rivières. And the whole year went by, man. It was my second year in the A. Aaron Asher was on my team. Jerry Fleming was our coach, played the year before. Darcy Harris was there. I think we were short on tough guys, and probably more, definitely more. In my head, they're just not coming to my head right away because uh, you know in the A is like you end up playing with forty-five guys by the time the year's done. But uh, uh Dwyer was there. Um, so, but most like took on all of them. Like I mean, the Bialoises and the Mark Majors, and every building we went in, and Steve McLaren, and he wanted to go toe to toe. And I mean, what was coming at you? I remember like playing around with it in practice and reminding myself, like if I get in the way of one of these punches by one of these guys, it's going to break my face, it's going to break my overall bone. And I'll never forget, like I compared him to Tony Twist. Um, you just didn't get to see him do his thing because he didn't last long. And he was coming into the NHL at a late age. But, um, you know, he, I remember the first time I fought, or fought Domi for the second time, and Shane Corson came in and he said, you know, it's off fun and games, but don't leave yourself open. And he said, As a matter of fact, do not fight Tony Twist. So the jokes end there. He might break your orbital bone. I remember hearing that. And that's what I saw from Moose. It was very similar. He put every single thing into his punch. He was jacked. His biceps were bigger than my head. And it was pure strength coming at you. And my last fight in the NHL um, is part of the story that I do in my stand-up or whatever. And it really was. I fought Cam Russell. And I was proud of that. He was a big guy and for, for most most people knew him as a fairly tough, you know, I won't say goon, but he was he was an enforcer. He's a tough dude. And I thought him I did well, but yeah, man, Cam Russell. And um, about maybe five or six minutes before that, Moose fought Probert. Now, Probert, I think, is the toughest ever for a lot of reasons. Um, I know he lost some fights. 
But I grew up thinking, you know, and I love that he had 30 goals. And when people tell me that enforcers can't play, well, get the right fucking enforcer. You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's part of it, boys. The guy protected Iserman had 30 goals and was an NHL All-Star. So people use the word go with him. I hate it. Even with most. Darren Langman only had three or four points here. It's because he got one shift. He led the Maritime Junior League in scoring. Well, and I'm getting riled up again. But anyway, <laughs> um, more set for Prober and caught him and beat him. Yes, and I've never did. seen it in my life be in lose like that, and I was there for it. And I read Probert's book, and somewhere in there he alludes, he alludes to it. Um, yep. I can't remember. It might have been one of the hardest punches he's ever taken. And I just can't believe, with my level of fandom for Bob Probert, and that I happened to play in a game that I've never seen him get beat like that. And I mean, when I said uh, Morissette's punch, Anybody who wants to look it up, you might have even put it out there on YouTube again. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, uh, and off the record, that Michael Landsberg show, Probert was on there, and he said that was the hardest he ever got hit was by, Mar- by Morris. Well, there you go. Yeah. And I happened to be there for it. And I remember reiterating to myself and Corson and everybody else in the room after, saying, no wonder, because there's no way I want to get hit by anything close to that. That's why Probert, and it knocked him out of the game. What yep. would Tony Twist punch do to me? Now, of course, knowing me, I probably would have done it. But um, oh, I guarantee what you I would can have. take from my fighting experience is, uh, I guess, I, I guess I'm happy to have a bit of courage and have done that. But the two guys I just mentioned are, you know, tougher than I ever could hope to be. That's why I learned some things from them. Um, you, should I keep going? No, yeah. Well, I've, I was going to say I've seen the video of your stand up and. Uh, that was what's the fucking line Morissette gave Probert sitting on the bench? Yeah, so he was so Moose was giving it to Probert. He gave him like ten lines. Like he was, I, I believe the one at that time was nice helmets as a coming men's or something. It was a, it was a generic, um, it was a generic line as most hockey games are, right? So, but he was cutting them the whole time though. Like it could have been any one of those. Because uh, Moose just sat there and was giving it to Probert, knowing that he wanted to fight him. Now I'm sitting there next to him, going, "Lay the fuck off!" But Probert, because I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't have a death wish. There, you know, he was Probert was on a line with Mark Jansen and Cam Russell, so I'm like, you know, I made out okay, and I still fought an enforcer. That was a killer line, um, one of if not the toughest in hockey at the time. Oh yeah, um, I can't think of anybody being. I, I don't even know, but there can't be. Who else would have been covered in that? Um, <laughs> So, but anyway, Probert came back over the bench, and then he chirped me, and I remember he said, uh, he winked at someone on my bench that knew him. He kind of grinned when he said it, but he said, Ryan, my rum and coke gets more ice than you. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we started laughing, and, uh, of course, but it was, I really didn't expect to get a shift either. That was well into the second period, and I figured we weren't going to get out there, because you normally, I had been out in the first period, normally you, you're not going to get a shift if you don't get out there once in the first. I mean, that means you probably went an hour and a half cold, right? But yeah. but I did, and that's when I ended up fighting Russell. But, um, yeah, I mean, Probert, look, he was a scary, and all the off-way stuff, that just made him scarier to me. I mean, you know, the guy went through some crazy shit off the ice, and you're going, you know, he's still here, and he's, he's skating around, and these teams are willing to take him because he must be a killer. And sure enough, like, you know, he grabbed me once we were in a scrum Probert exhibition and just, like, kind of, throw me to the ground. I mean, I wouldn't even, I'm proud, I'm so proud of my friend Darren Langdon for having a couple of pretty good t- tilts with him. I think that's why, to extend it, Probert also was a really nice fella. I met him years later at a charity event that Darren Langdon had, 
And that, I, I think, you know, tough guys, when they fight each other, they got respect. I mean, you know, they never played with each other, I don't think. Uh, I mean, on the same team. But um, Jay, uh, Langer and Probert had a mutual respect, and uh, Probert was at his event, and actually I talked to him for a while, and I could not believe how down-to-earth he was. And, uh, you know, he's the type of guy. He didn't mind talking about fights here and there, um, but he didn't, you know, whenever I talked about the 30 goals or anything, he just passed it off. He's just like, yeah, you know, I got lucky, and I played with some good players. Typical, typical humble tough guy, you know, that I often yeah. brag about. I love Absolutely. hockey players that way. Absolutely. No, on that Fredrickson team, for anybody listening, this is out, listen to this crew, like you said, yourself, Asham, Moose, Darcy yeah. Harris, Alan Nazderine, yeah. and oh, Sil- yeah. Sylvan Bluan. Yes, we had, we had Sly Bluan, I forgot on top of all that, and he was another straight tough guy, right? Like, yep. Man. Me and Ash were like often sixth and seventh on the list. And Jerry Fleming, by the way, the first year we did have Jerry Fleming as well, who's oh. a small six seven two fifty five. That guy was that um, Fleming was a killer. Like oh yeah. So I came into it. My first shift. My first shift professional hockey. This is true. Well, of course it's true. Why do I always say that? It must be a habit because if I wouldn't be saying it, if it wasn't true. Um, but I was called up as an 18-year-old from junior from Tri-City to play in the A, because you can do that, right? Like, yep. you, you see guys at the end of the year uh, come up. Uh, and my first ship was in St. John against the Flames. And I was played center, and I was normally a winger, between Serge Roberge on my right, Mario Roberge on my left, and on the point they put Jerry, uh, we were brewing for a fight, they put Jerry Fleming and Craig Rivet was back there. It was me, me, Roberge, Roberge, Fleming, Rivet. As soon as the puck dropped, it went up. And I grabbed a hold of Todd Simpson, who I played with in junior. And Todd and I kind of, yeah, I, I don't even know if we got fives. We maybe did. But the other guys went at it. I guess they had it set up. I mean, Serge wanted to fight every single minute. He was on the ice. He tailor that guy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, as stories go, I should probably tell that one more. That was an interesting first shift. Um, but, you know, you're going to go down... Of the, the tough guys that I've played with, um, I guess I'd have to add, I'm going somewhere with this. You're asking me toughest, and you're saying with, not against. With, yes. So, Teammates. With, not against. So, in Boise, Idaho, I played with Jeremy Yablonski. Yep. Okay? And I'm, I, as long as I'm talking Idaho, there was a guy, Chris Graff. Graffer, and no, you know what I'm talking about. Way, Graffer could have gone on. He was a guy in junior that beat Chara. Now, if Graffer's like 5'11", maybe 180. He's not a big guy. I, I, he might even be smaller than that. Um, but real tough. And like Paul Ferrone, he fought like him. I remember in junior watching Graf Ferrone going, whoa, these guys can go. They're just fighters, right? They just grab and go, and they can take a punch. And I never saw Graff get knocked down by anybody. He doesn't look tough, but he really is tough. He's, uh, he's and, actually, you know, it's Yablonsky. funny you mentioned his name, Chris Graff. He's coming on the show next week. Yep. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, maybe his wife, because uh, he's not all over social media. She's on there once in a while. I think she might have sent me a message. Yep, um, she that, did. Uh, yeah, she did, yeah. Cause, uh, and I wish I could see Graffer more. Graffer loved, uh, loved his uh, natural lights, too. We used to sit there and get the cheapest booze around. We'd go get a 24 natural light, sit down in the afternoon and listen to music, man, and talk about fights. I love that guy. 
And, uh, you know, True Blue Western Leaguer from Spokane, we must have played them 20 times a year in junior. I played in Tri-City down the road. But um, Grappler was a good pal. Loved his Irish music. Um, loved everything about Newfoundland, but just can't make it over here. I'd love that someday. Pass along the message. I'm sure you'll get it. But, Absolutely. Um, all around, I wish, it's a guy I wish I saw more. Um, and, you know, I'm just including, because we're talking, on the same team with Jeremy Yablonski. Um, where, do, do I even start that story? I mean, how tough he would be? Uh, I bought him the year before. Uh, one of the, looking back, looking back, one of the proudest fights I have is when I played for Colorado the year before uh, against, remember, yeah, it was oh, for Phoenix. He was playing for, and uh, we had a good fight. And looking back, I'm proud of that because he never lost a fight after. <laughs> the guy was, is a killer uh, from the old school. Just go on the ice, and, you know, I'm going to protect my teammates. Uh, start of the year, you know, stood up in the room. The other thing, start of the year, Yabo stands up in the room. About 20, 21 or 22 at the time, too. Uh, and he said, I, got, I want everybody to know I got your back. He said, I mean that. They said, we're going to go out tonight to the bar and have a few drinks. Maybe people will get on karaoke. Love, love when I got on karaoke. Me and, me and Yabba would go just to like a piano bar just so I could get up and sing with the guy. He loved it. And, uh, you know, he just told us right off the bat. He said, I'm just, no one is going to fuck with anybody here. Uh, I'm your boy. I'm your teammate. We're a family. And, you know, again, I often say we went to game seven that year and lost like, Often when something like that happens, those guys carry the team. Yavo can't skate a lick. I don't mind him hearing me say it. If there was no fighting, he wouldn't have been playing. But, but, you can grind. You can go out there and play on the third line and get in your face, and he'll fight anybody. Yep. And, and love doing it. His father, as I extend how tough he is, Yavo's father, you know this story that I'm going to tell you? No. You know where I'm going with this? No. His dad comes down at Christmas. And I love Yab, I'm with him all the time. So my family came out, and we're all hanging out in my place. And his dad's got no arms. So I have about three or four beers. I say, okay, elephant in the room, Mr. Yabo. Tell me the story. He proceeds to tell me a story that I'll never, ever forget as long as I live. So he's bailing hay. He's out in Saskatchewan, wherever Yabo's from. Yep. And he's out farm, and he's bailing hay. And whatever, he puts it in, I don't know, many farming terms, puts it into the baler, whatever the hell it is, how you do that, and he gets he gets his hand caught on something, and he goes to catch, goes to, with his other hand, to pull his hand out, both of his arms get stuck in there, both of his arms, so it pulls him in, cuts him off, but now if he rips himself out of there right away, he might bleed to death, so he stays in that position with his arms, knowing that as soon as he leaves, they're going to come off. But he needs help. And if he runs out right away, he might bleed to death. So he waits. I can't remember who found him. If it was Yabo's mom or one of the kids. I can't remember that part. So I guess I'm lying about the rest of the story because I don't remember. But that part, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And that's what happened. He lost both. Sorry about that. The acoustics, man. I'm in the bathtub, like I said. But he lost both <laughs> of his arms in the one play and waited. I remember it was 14 hours. He told me he waited. Um, you can ask Yabo about that. I'm sure he'll be on, but that happens. Now, how about that young fellow learned toughness? That, like, I don't have any story about anybody I know that is tougher than that. 
So, it's, you know, the apple probably didn't fall too far from the tree. No, it did not. No, like you said, the apple, they didn't cut much tougher than that. I mean, shit, the guy won a heavyweight MMA bout in like seven seconds. Yeah. He won the friggin' belt, you know? like <laughs> I remember that, yeah. I forgot now, that's online somewhere. Yep. I'll, yep. I'll, have, to, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I was going to say, actually, in your time in Idaho, we're, I'm kind of straying away from the question I've given you, but I had him on as a guest. He was actually my first guest I ever had on, and you fought him that year, and he was he talked about you on the show, and he was he was real, he pumped your tires, was uh, Josh Mazur. Yes, man, I fought Mazur, I did. And yes. I ended up playing with him in Cincinnati Yep. Uh, the next year. Yeah, and real, real, uh, you know, and a real humble, I remember... I didn't think I was anybody. I still don't. Whatever. We all play. At that time, like when I go out and play senior hockey, it's not in my head that I played in the NHL. I'm sure around here it is in people's because they often say it. Well, Mazur was one of those guys. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm out there. I'm looking at him off the try. He's a tough guy. He wants to get, fuck it. Let's go at it. And I, I remember actually, it was like four minutes left in the game. And I was like, you know, early shower. So, uh, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Absolutely. So, Anyway, Mays came over, and we got in the hell of a... And it was a perfect time to pad your stack. It was one of those games. So I hadn't fought in a while. I'm like, okay. Um, and Mays wants to do it. And we went at it, and we had a pretty good one. He hit me with... So I, I heard that he was a boxer. I don't know. Mays never told me that, but, you know, you can look into it. But uh, yep. he hit me real hard. He was a gold gloves boxer, yep. See? Fuck, I knew it. My, my brain is still not total mush, is it? I, that, I don't know where that came from. It flew into my head somewhere. I didn't know it at the time, though. And um, so I'm kind of glad probably I didn't. I would have approached it differently. Yeah. But, you know, we talked after, and when we went off, because, again, we didn't go to the penalty box. There was only a few minutes left in the game. And we were going off and going down the hall, and he looked over, and he said, Hey, Ryan, I thought he was going to take some. I was right ready to go back at the fucker. And he said, Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you. I'm a fan. Western League. And he put his arm up. And I said, What a guy. You know, I don't love that. But, um... I remember saying, I'm a fan. And I was like, geez, what do you mean? And, you know, sometimes it gets lost on you. That while you're playing, you're, you know, it happens. I mean, it happened to me when I played against Probert, but I never think about it, even in senior, that you might be a role model. You know, you you don't think of it that way. Um, so to have somebody, he, I, he's the only one I remember in pro, yeah, really, really showing me that, you know, and, and happy to, kind of looked up to me kind of thing. I'd had people be nice, like Ryan Vandebush in the penalty box, and, you know, that comes with the territory. Because I was only 23, I think, but I'd had so much behind me. I got drafted five years before. I was up and I was down, and I'd been through everything. And it was kind of a shout-out, you know. Like, I remember meeting him in Cincinnati, and he was really concerned, and he thought I got fucked over and, you know, went out of his way to tell me that. So hats off to Josh Mason. Absolutely. He's a good dude. Yep. So I'd actually... Mays... You know, with I played with him in Cincinnati, and he could be on the list because I know who's number one. And I'm searching for number two. So, um, well, you, I, I think I know who number one is too. So let, let's just we'll we'll hit it because I mean you got the Roberts. We talked Blue Ann and shit. We'll get your number one guy because I think I know who it is, and I'm gonna have some questions for you. Well, this is the thing. I don't know if you know who it is because I got a few in my mind, that kind of fall into the same category. So let me just mention a couple. Because um, I like to mention Mazer. i got to mention Aaron Asher. Um, I can't not. I mean, yeah. Ash is like, 
when he came through, I remember hearing uh, Chris Murray, who was a real tough guy, yep. uh, fought Jeff Hodgers one time. And I remember Murray a few years later referring to Ash like Jeff Hodgers. Like, you know, no one really wants to fight him. Like, they're, they're not heavyweights in size, but they're not going to stop. And if they hit you with a punch, you might go straight down. So, you know, I have to throw Ash in there. I have to throw Darcy Harris in there for the same reason. Darcy Harris, I think, should definitely have played at least a game or two in the NHL. By the way, side note, if I'm ever a GM, which I won't be, but why don't guys do that more? At the end of the year, man, some teams do. If you're losing, call some guys up that give, give it their all. Absolutely. You know, Darcy Harris should have a game played in the NHL. Yep. If you're going to be in the minors fighting Troy Crowder, Darcy made us, he was a walk-on. He had pretty good numbers in, I think, 20 or 19 or 20-year-old year junior, might have 20 goals. And so he could play. He was just, once he made the team, I'm like, I can see if he doesn't make the team because there's contract. But he went to camp and he gave everything. He fought everybody. He grinded. He did everything. He answered the questions right. Now you signed him. So because you signed him, you appreciated that. Now at the end of the year, because for those three years, I was a bunch of memories, but two of the three, at least, we didn't make the playoffs. The one we did. But call a guy up. You know, like, give him a game. Uh, and I'm not shitting on the Montreal Canadiens per se when I say this. That was just that time. That's two decades ago. That's one player. Boyd Olsen fell in the same category. I give him again. But each team has them. You know, you look at these guys and um, that are lifers in the minors, or might have given everything to the team that doesn't make the show, that doesn't make the playoffs. Some teams do, but I really think if it's me, and I know what am I? A fucking first round top sitting in the bathtub right now talking to you. I'm nobody. But I just don't see why it doesn't happen more. And if this one, if one player gets get, gets called up because one GM heard what I said at one month at the end of one year, then I'll, I'll have done my job. At least this is worth something because I don't fucking get it why guys like Darcy Harris didn't play one fucking game and say he was an NHLer. Uh, but anyway, I, I completely agree. Actually, the Washington yeah. Capitals did that with Engelstad. They called up Mel for the last two games of the year. There you go. And uh, Pete Vandermeer got called up. Yep. Um, but like you said, it, do, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen enough. Definitely, especially, yeah, with, the, especially with those guys. Frenchy, there's a guy at the end of his career. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, especially with those guys. You're right, though. It doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's it going to hurt? Even exactly. if you go on the ice for one fifth, you know, even even sit a guy. I don't know if if, if you're at that time. I don't know if we weren't going to make the playoffs. Sit a guy like I don't know, Recky or Savage or someone probably wanted a break for a game. I, I don't know. I, can't recall, but there's situations that you can get these guys in there. Um, so, and when you, you know, the other thing is, I've been defining tough. The reason I mention all those guys is that I've been defining tough on punch power and all that. Uh, Darcy Harris would block a shot with his face, right? Um, yep. He'd, he'd pick up all the pucks after practice. He'd work extra hard. If we were in a cold rink on the road, and, you know, we were late, we got on late, he would always stand there and work hard. Boys, do you want this? Do you want to do it? Terry, do you want, do you want a water bottle? He's not playing a lot. Now, I'm, in, I'm the same age as him. He, was, he wasn't necessarily a rookie. Uh, but, you know, he just do those things because he's a good teammate. Uh, you know, um, I remember Aaron Asherman Jr., a goalie, Mark Magnier Diddy. Was his name? Trade from Spokane. We're in Red Deer. Um, you know, real good fella. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know what he did in pocket. I think he went to the East Coast League. Might have been the highest he went, but a good goalie. And he was chasing a shutout. He's a 20-year-old. I think it would have been like his fourth shutout of the year, which, um, 
either tied some record for American goalies, whatever the fuck it was, I don't remember. But I remember it was like six to nothing, and Aaron Asham going down and blocking a shot with his ankle with like two seconds left on the back door. Why? Because he wanted to preserve the shutout. Yep. Um, you know, so that's tough. Yep. Um, so, you know, I did play with people with a harder punch. Fly Boulant definitely did. I got nothing against Sly, but I, you're asking me the toughest players. I'm putting Aaron Asham. It might be biased because of his buddy. The guys like that in there, too, and I know I'm rambling. But, you know, the, the other side of it is what I was, or sorry, you come up on a number one. I'm trying to flash through all the teams I played on. So you're talking about Tri-City Americans. You're talking about Jeremy Thompson would have to get a shout out there. Um, Rocky Thompson's brother, who was small, but boy, can he fight. He's no different than the guys I just mentioned. He just didn't make the American Hockey League or the NHL, but he could fight. He loved fighting, and he was a southpaw. They called him the Indian Outlaw. Um, on the Reds here, I mean, Jesus Christ, we had Lloyd Shaw, we had Mike Brown, we had Devin Francon, we had yep. Stephen Pete. I yep. mean, I know Petey's going through a hard time now, but Petey ain't dead yet. Petey, you're going to rebound. I love you, buddy. And if you ever hear this, he's got to be up there. He was 16 years old fighting the toughest guys in the league. I remember that year he fought Rocky Thompson to a draw, and Rocky was known by far. There was just no tougher guy, especially. Rocky was one of the toughest when he was 16, let alone 19. Yeah, um, and Petey fought him, man. And Petey um, went up, and I know, I know now he's in a bad spot, but you know, I believe he'll come out of it. He's a good person, and you're asking me toughest, guaranteed. Steve Petey'd be right up there if we're talking punch power, shot blocking ability, or downright meanness. You went on the ice, man. You did not want to play against that guy. So glad I didn't forget. Move on, Fredrickson. We already named him. Now. Fredericton, now I'm up in Montreal. I'm browsing over everybody in my head. Of course, I'd have to put Shane Corson in there. Of course, I would. Um, but the St. John's Maple Leafs, Sean Thornton. Um, you know, I often, because Thornton was my buddy, and before that year, I used to fight with Thornton a lot. We had at least three or four in exhibition, at least three in exhibition. And then we had those rookie games against each other, and then we fought in the American League at least once. In a regular game, I remember, and that's on YouTube. That was a knock him down, drag him out, tough fight. Yep. And I really respected Thornton. But the next year, I'm excited to him. Um, so, Thornton, in that year that I played with him, went from, like, real, real tough to one of the toughest guys in the entire American Hockey League. Um, and I remember him squaring off with Morissette when I was playing for St. John's. And uh, who having some great battles. Uh, I... I with Thornton, I could go down the list, but Thornton worked at it. I, I don't mean this as an insult. He would have been the very last person I thought would have made the NHL, and he probably stayed for the longest for all the teammates I was with. Uh, but he, he was a free agent signing by uh, Toronto, I believe. Uh, or not free agent, but he wasn't supposed to sign. Whatever happened, he was a late pick. And I don't remember going because I remember fighting me in an exhibition and saying, you know, will you fight me? I'm really on the, on the ropes here. I don't know if I'm going to sign. He did, and then he was playing a bit of D and a bit of forward and not much. And, you know, fight the odd guy like me. And then the next year, um, yeah, man, he went for He started fighting McLaren and all those guys and started putting Vaseline on his face and the leather chin strap and the goalie jersey and all the above. And I watched the transition of Shannon Thornton turn killer. And, you know, then he was motivated, and he started winning those fights. And um, uh, Al McAdam was our coach. Where does Al land the next year? Chicago. Yep. Right? There you go. Um, 
and a guy like that needed a bit of a break, but I knew Nordy, that's all he needed was a break, because he's a real good teammate. Anybody that's ever played with you, I'm confident that's ever played with him, will say that he's a great teammate first and foremost. And I think tough guys have to be that, because if not, they're going to be a cancer. If you're not a great teammate, you're out there fighting everybody, you're going to seem like a monster, right? Uh, so, um, but Thorny really took that and ran with it. He went to Norfolk and then got called up for a bit and never really looked back. Got two Stanley Cups now. Um, yep. So, you know, and I guess for fame, for status, for star ability, for all those things I mentioned, um, I would never put anybody that I mentioned as number one. But I'd have to put Thorny on that list. Um, now the more, now the rest of it, we're talking. Gotta go in my head. I played in Hershey. Would have been with Steve Parsons. Would have been the toughest there. Loved that guy. And sure enough, he was definitely a real tough dude who, who came in out of like Canadian college. Parsons had his fuck. He played Laval for a bit. They Kamloops couldn't really cut it. Major Junior for a full year. He was playing like in like Maine or one of those places up. Not even like CIAU, like the college circuit that no one plays in. And he ended up, I can't remember how, but he ended up in uh, Hershey with me and Wilkes-Barre and had a pretty good story out of it. We got a few uh, exhibition games. Yep. Now I'm going through. Utah has a few tough guys out there. I remember a guy, Sean Penn, was fairly tough. Yep. Mick Lakota was tough. I played with him in Montreal, too. I mean, Mick Lakota would have to be another guy that you'd have to put way up there because Mick wasn't the greatest hockey player, although he's better than people thought. But, you know, he, he was just everything about him. I remember being scared and playing on his team. Like, just... He was a killer. Yeah. Um, now I'm going through in my mind. I only played one game in Long Beach. I can't really remember the roster. So I right. was there. Well, uh, you got Colorado, uh, the Gold uh, Kings. I could throw a yeah. couple names at you. Jason Rushton and well, Rhett Trombley. Rhett Trombley and Jason Rushton, yeah. And in all this, um, a guy who's also going through a bit of a bad time now, but, you know, I believe you'll get out of it. Todd Gillingham. He yeah. was on a few of these teams with me. He was a tough minor leaguer. Never got an NHL game. But Gilly would... And Gilly, a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. He couldn't skate well, but if he could get his balance, he'd give you a punch. I mean, it was a more set punch. Um, and, you know, just to have the balls to get 400 fucking penalty minutes one year. Gilly had 26 goals and 400 penalty minutes. Tell me when that happened. <laughs> exactly. Because there's an NHL game just from that. Uh, in the AHL, not the coast. Um, or the I, sorry. But, um, yeah, so, and I mean, Trombley and Rushton, for sure. Rushton, Real, real played with him in the Rocky Mountain League, and back then the Rocky Mountain League was more of a scorer. Jason could stick the puck up your ass, stick hell in a fucking phone booth, man, and go shell. Great hockey player. Yep. Um, I think he realized as his career went on that he was having more success in the uh, role of a tough guy, which he was also. And Rush, one of those guys, if, if you got hit with that left, you might still be feeling it. And Red Tom Lake, yeah, I wouldn't know where to begin with him. Uh, I just, with Red Trombley at that area, you heard about him coming in. Like in the Western League, I just heard more about him than anything else. Off ice, on ice, on the bus, in the restaurants, whatever. I heard he was a total loon. And he was, and he was, but uh, certainly was a good guy to hang out. I, I like going to the rink at like 2 o'clock in the day. And I still do. If I get a senior game and I'm not working, I go too latest. If not, I'll get there at noon. You know, open the paper, have a coffee. Um, you know, if I got any work to do on the side, do that, schoolwork. I always took a few courses here and there. You know, I just felt comfortable at the rink, and Brett was one of those guys. So I really, you know, you, you remember playing with guys, but I spent 
whatever game day was, I spent an extra three or four hours with Red, so I got to know him really well. And uh, a little bit misunderstood because he was a loon, but a uh, good guy deep down. And um, definitely one of the toughest players ever to come across any league. Yep. I would say Red probably and anybody that played with him would tell you the same. Uh, after Colorado Boise, I already talked about that. Orlando, the only guy I would have left out would be Chris LaPuma, I think, on Orlando. He was fairly tough, although I wouldn't put him in the category of those guys I just mentioned. But of the teams I played on, and a guy, Ryan Skinny Anderson, I'll throw that out there. He's down in Austin now, and Ryan Skinny Anderson should never have played one game professional hockey in any league. I hope I say that. A talent, and he got down there, and he's from up north somewhere. Where's he from? Oh, he's from. Uh, Nipa- he's from he's, I think he's from Nipawa, I think. Yeah. Nipawa played Saskatchewan. No, he was Manitoba. I thought Dauphin. So okay. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nipawa, or you know, my memory's shady, hazy, because Darcy Johnson, God rest his soul, I have to throw him in there, too. Yep. Um, good fighter. He was from Manitoba. I always get him mixed up. He was from up around there. Um, and he was equally tough. All right, Peter. But, um, Skinny's just one of those guys. I mean, and you play with him. He was an assistant captain in Orlando, but what a guy. I don't know if there's a better guy in the room. I don't. Uh, we won in Orlando, and him and I treated Orlando like it was uh, New York, and the Atlantic Coast president's trophy like it, uh, trophy like it was the Stanley Cup, man. Did we ever party? Uh, just, you're just going to have to assume, because even though this is not a PG uh, show, I, I still can't say some of the stories. It's insane what we did when we won. But, uh, it's great. Shout out to Ryan Skinny Anderson. After that, would all be senior hockey stories. And I'll shout out uh, Richard Paul, who's a tough guy in Cornerbrook. Uh, uh, real tough, fought Langer a couple times. Darren Langer, I can't not mention him. He's one of the toughest of all time. He would probably make the top 20 ever, given the era that he came from uh, and the guys he fought. And I believe right now, the era that we're in, no offense to anybody on my team, but well, Mike Drew can there. He's almost my age. He's a tough senior player that fought all the above. But other than that, man, the toughest guys probably, you know, uh, take a game off when they got a hangnail. It's a different game now. Yep. Uh, I love my teammates. I'm still playing senior, but most of them would be, let's just say their eyes would be open if they had to go through what uh, half the teammates that I just mentioned. Well, there we go. I, I, I think we're at the end of the line. You, that, was a hell, that was a hell of a run, man. Uh well, Terry, I, uh... I know, it, oh, by the way, I know I must have forget it, forgot someone. If I did, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or wherever, and I'll talk about them. Uh, but that was just through the top of my head. It's like when you accept an Oscar, like I know what that's like. But, you know, you try to thank everybody. I don't know. There were certain guys maybe that I played with for a little bit, and I forgot. But anyway, that's my list, Southpaw. Hey, it was that was great, man. And like I said, once uh, if you ever... Uh, have some downtime. Uh, we definitely got to do this again. I'm going to do a one-off interview with you, and we'll go through your whole career. And because we're going to, we got to talk some Tri City, uh, some some wars with Seattle and stuff, and uh, and we got to get some, we got to get some bird dog stories from you too. Yeah, bird dog. Oh my God, yes. And you know what? I never actually played with bird dog. That's the only reason he was my coach. I guess the only reason I'd mention him. And I can't even go in. That's another. Bird Dog, let's just put Bird Dog at number one with an asterisk, and we'll talk about that next time. Thanks. Uh, oh, and by the way, I'd love to have you on. I'm starting my own podcast. Uh, yes, you are. I saw Kurt that. And follow me on Twitter, at TerryRyan20, I believe. Maybe at TerryRyan2020. I can't even remember what my Twitter handle is. I think it's at TerryRyan20. Either way, I'd love to have you on mine. 
the timing of this looks terrible, by the way. I'm not doing this because I've got my own and I want to grab your listeners. That's not what I'm doing. Um, oh, no, no, no. We've, I believe me, yeah, I, we've, yeah. we've talked about this for a long time, so no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. Okay, good. Good that you know that and the listeners know, because I'd love to have you on mine, too, and I just read up some time. Hopefully that will happen soon. Great talking to you, Paul, from Atlantic Canada, Newfoundland. Thanks a lot for having me on. I love you, buddy. Terry, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Okay, buddy. See ya. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?